This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Well, in this episode, you'll find I have quite a few firsts. My first judge, because my guest is Judge Wise, also also known as Ken Wise from Texas. I also have my first podcaster as a guest on my podcast, which is kind of new. And that makes it pretty fun. And today what we do is talk about this great show that he has and his passion for history. So kick back and enjoy this. And um, I promise you a few twists and turns. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jane. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm great. I'm uh, up here in Wisconsin still. <laughs> I can't wait till the episode where I'm like, and I've moved to California and it's sunny and warm, but it's <laughs> actually snowing again and it's really, really cold. I don't even know how the snow is squeezing itself out of the sky, quite frankly. Um, what about you? So you, why don't you tell the listeners where you are? Because that's going to be an integral part of our story today. Well, I am in Houston, Texas, and uh, sitting downtown in a very historic building, and it is about 72 degrees uh-huh. and crystal clear blue skies, and we're getting ready for to host the Super Bowl this weekend. So downtown's pretty crowded uh, to the point where you don't even want to try to drive around down here, but we're having a lot of fun. Energy level's high in Houston this week. I totally forgot about that, that we were timing this exactly at this time. That's amazing because the last person that I did a call with, um, he was in, he lives in Atlanta, and I obviously Wisconsin Packers, and they were playing each other right before we had our call, and obviously I was pretty disappointed, and he was pretty happy. So um, this is really amazing that that'll be woven into the show. That's yeah, right. it must be crazy there. Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's a we've had one Super Bowl. Well, actually, we've had two. We had one in the seventies, but um, you know, the, there's so much that goes on around the actual game, uh, and the entire town really participates. They've tinted off a couple of city blocks down here for kind of the main area. We've got all kinds of concerts coming in. I mean, it's it's uh, quite the production. So we're trying to work around it. You know, I had the privilege of visiting Houston a couple of years ago, and it, it it was mind-blowing how huge it is. I had no idea, like, really what a, you know, what a really big metropolitan city it really is. Super urban, super big buildings, lots of, uh, lots of culture. It was, it was incredible. You know, and, and I also, at the same time, went to Austin, and the form, the, uh, the Grand Prix was going on that time. Right. It was pretty intense there during the Grand Prix. I can't even imagine what it's like during the Super Bowl in Houston. <laughs> so, yeah, scale, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I wanted to tell our listeners how we met. This is kind of a cool story. So we both have podcasts, which is what we have in common. And we both host with a company called Blueberry. 
And um, I had the privilege of being a, a, a co-host on the Blueberry podcast where they talk about everything podcasting, podcast news, things like that. I got to talk about um, how I got my show up and running, which was really fun to share. And then not too long after that, you were a guest on the show. And, uh, and then more recently, I talked with Mackenzie there and said, hey, I'd be happy to be on the show again. That was really fun. And she said, oh, one of our... Um, one of our listeners actually mentioned he enjoyed your show. I'm like, okay, I need to know the name. We cannot <laughs> the one name I need to know who that is. And so that was you. And then I reached out to you, and here we are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I had uh, I had corresponded with the Blueberry folks about that podcast long time ago, and then I was listening to your show, and um, that prompted me to email Mackenzie and remind her. That, <laughs> We had talked about that. So here we are. Yeah, it was good fun. It's good fun to hang out with Mackenzie and talk about podcasting. So um, what I learned about you in our conversation when we got to know each other was that you have definitely a passion for Texas history. And that's what your podcast is about. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing and why you're doing it? Because that's where all the magic happens. Well, I I have studied Texas history since I was a little kid. One of the things about Texas, first of all, we teach Texas history in elementary school. We teach it to our fourth graders and our seventh graders. And when you grow up in this state, you really have a an extreme almost sense of identity as a Texan. And uh, there are lots and lots of reasons for that. But I think every kid who grows up in Texas probably knows a little bit more about their state's history than kids that grow up in other states. At least that's what I've been told anecdotally, mm -hmm. because it is such, we are so connected to our past. I, one of the things that I like to do when I talk about Texas history is challenge the audience to tell me one quality that you think makes Texas special. You know, are you here because of the weather? Are you here because of the people? Are you here because of the business climate? Whatever it is. And I'll go back before the Civil War and tell a story that illustrates that quality and how it developed or came about or was exhibited even 180 years ago. And so it's really, uh, it directly affects how this state functions uh, today. And uh, you can't understand where you are unless you understand where you've come from. That goes, of course, beyond just Texas. That's for all of us. And, and so for that reason, I think history is also incredibly important. But the the icing on the historical cake, so to speak, is the fact that Texas history in particular is full of great characters, great drama. You know, there's conflict, there's humor, there's all kinds of interesting things and very, very diverse. Uh, so you will never learn it all. And uh, it's always interesting. So that's just been something that I've loved. Um, my roots in Texas go back to when it was a brand new republic. And uh, in 1837, which was a little bit less than a year after one independence, my earliest ancestor came here and, and came here knowing a lot of the people who had a lot of the earliest pioneers. Uh, my ancestors were from t two places, Tennessee on my dad's side and Germany on my mother's side. And uh, both uh, came to Texas at different times, uh, but as part of a very significant group of like-minded people coming to Texas. So it's been part of the fabric of my own personal life and I just love studying it and talking about it and 
and I got to the age and stage where I needed to, I was sort of shamed by prof- some professional historian friends into producing some product <laughs> and contributing to the community a little bit. And so I chose podcasting. What I, when we first talked, I didn't know that about the Texas history. And I think that's amazing how they're teaching that in school. I'm in Wisconsin. I don't know that they teach it to that degree. I'm sure we talk about it, but not that it's an entire class. You know, uh, in this time in America right now, I think it's cool that you brought up the story how you were part of, your ancestors were part of a really big movement to Texas to create a new life and to start something new. Do you Were some of those stories like passed down to you through the generations or, or is most of what you know things that you've read? Well, uh, both. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the passing down of the stories because every family that has been in a place for a long time, you know, well, every family period really mm-hmm. has those family lore stories, you know, and, and, uh, when I was doing some historical work, uh, I found out that some of the family lore was not exactly accurate. Well, my background is as a lawyer and now a judge. And so I can't stand for one little fact to be wrong. <laughs> so I had to, I had to go back and check it out. Well, in the process of doing that, I discovered a lot about, an ancestor that I thought I knew about, uh, but I discovered a lot that I didn't know. The biggest of which was he was a practicing physician here in Houston a lot longer than anyone in the family ever talked about. And so that opened up a whole new world of things to investigate. And this is only a couple of years ago, um, a whole new world of things to investigate here in Houston. And, And, you know, when you do that, you learn all kinds of interesting things. And so that was part and parcel of my um, enthusiasm to kind of produce something and, um, led to the podcast. So how did you choose podcast over like writing or other methods of sharing history? Well, I have written some published articles, which is a very traditional historian thing to do. Uh, it's also very labor intensive. Um, I've got two fairly young children and a full-time job and, you know, it's kind of hard to sit down and be very prolific. Um, I've got a couple of books I want to write, but again, that takes so much time. Um, and I was looking, I was searching through some podcasts to listen to, uh, during my exercise time and looking for Texas history. And there's, there's one other podcast that touches on Texas history and it's very good. And I listen to it, uh, but it's not historian type history. It's, it's more storytelling type history and the topics are more cultural and, um, not always just history, et cetera, which is a great mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was looking for a way to do uh, journal level scholarship with the back porch storytelling style that I tend to have and uh, throw in my own little uh, fun parts of history. I like to go to the places and actually walk around where the historical events happen. And that's a segment of, of each episode is how to get to uh, the places I talk about in the episode and actually walk the ground and um, throw in a little bit of that. So I tell people journal level scholarship, back porch storytelling. I try to go to uh, primary sources and make sure the scholarship's pretty good. And I think most of the time I do it, I turned one of my outlines into a published journal article. So I am pretty serious about the sources I use because you want you want it to be quality, but I also want it to be a fun story and I want it to be something that maybe you haven't heard about. So I try to take an approach uh, toward 
major historical events maybe that everyone has heard about, but tell some of the little side stories and details and, and talk about the people, that, the things that, that scholars don't have time to do when they're writing. So if that makes sense. It does. And those are some of the most fun parts. I was thinking about when I was in school and I wasn't took history class. I didn't enjoy it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I had to memorize dates, and that seems to be something that doesn't stick in my head. But also, right. it was just the same stories, like the same high-level perspective on the stories that, you know, you might have heard peripherally, or there wasn't enough detail. But when I'm around people, and they start telling me historical story, you know, history stories about their life or about where they're from, I'm fascinated by it. Or if I'm at, you know, the art museum, and someone starts talking about this art was created in this time and this era because of this event or these things going on with the people. I'm fascinated by that, but I don't know if I would have pulled that out of a history book. And what I kind of really love about the way you're doing, because first of all, your podcast is um, really well done. It's it's the the way that you tell the stories are uh, they have such you know a great rhythm to them, and they're enjoyable to listen to. Well, thank and, you. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about that is I can see myself, my, my son is really into history, and I can see us driving, you know, taking a, a ride and listening to it while we're in the car and then having a conversation about it. And um, that's the beauty of what you're doing is you're creating something that then people can have conversations about. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's that's kind of what I want to do. I mean, it, it, the, the traditional, um, I'd say, professional historian or academic historian, often when they publish, they and they even use this term, uh, making an argument. So they'll say this book or this article makes the following argument. Well, when you do that, um, you're doing the same thing lawyers do. You're starting with a goal, and then you're building evidence towards your goal. And that's well and good, but that's not really what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm trying to inform, but of course, being a podcast, you got to also entertain. You got to make it interesting to listen to. And and one person with a microphone is a very difficult thing uh, to hold somebody's attention. And so I'm trying to tell, you know, just a story of Texas history. And if you can listen to it and then be you know, the most interesting person at the next cocktail party, great. If you listen to it and decide, hey, I really want to go study about this, great. Uh, if you listen to it, and as some people have done, you know, I'll get emails saying, well, wait a minute, my great-grandmother always said X, Y, and Z uh, about our family, and you just mentioned that. Can you tell me more? And uh, I've ended up doing a little bit of custom research for people uh, which, uh, is kind of interesting. It's fun, you know, mm-hmm. cause you learn a little of their family history. And, and, uh, the other, the other thing about this podcast that if people listen, they'll find is I always try to do what I call networking. And, you know, so many of the people in one historical story were tied to another historical story because the population in early revolutionary era Texas was relatively small. And so you had a smaller group of people doing more things. And it's funny to watch who pops up where and the little connections that they have. It's pretty interesting. I know. It's kind of like fact mining or treasure hunt, like a treasure hunt, you know. It's treasure hunting. That's exactly right. So I, you know, when you talked about how you found out that information about your um, ancestor in Houston being a physician, I did a little bit of that myself a while back. Um, and found out that a sister of my great-grandma lived across the street from this old house. I rented like an apartment in a big old mansion when I was in college. 
And I found out through a little bit of fact-checking and research at the local library, which was actually really fun. It was kind of like solving a mystery. And I found out that here this this like great aunt of mine lived across the street in one of the other mansions as a servant during the war like, or wow. during a long, long, long time ago. So um, I thought maybe that's why I was always drawn to that town because there was some connection there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like why right. I went to that particular town for college didn't make a lot of sense other than um, friends of mine were going there. <laughs> <laughs> but I always felt really, I always felt really at home there, you know? So it was, I remember the excitement of uncovering those facts. So do you have any like tips or, or anything for people who might want to do some research on history of Texas, like kind of a little bit of a short version of what your process is? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's, and this is one of, you know, dozens of reasons that I ended up starting this podcast is it's easier than ever before to be a better scholar. You know, not that long ago or 20 years ago, you'd have to travel to archives and travel to libraries and travel here and there. And that was difficult to do mm-hmm. and quite the time commitment, especially in a state the size of Texas. So <laughs> right. um, nowadays we can all get online and, and I don't even know all the resources that are available, but I, I use dozens of different resources and I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface um, of all the things that are available online um, it's very easy. I'll tell you at the, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to plug things, but there, there was a very popular, uh, ancestry site, mm-hmm. uh, that I ended up getting on to subscribing to, to research that particular ancestor that I keep mentioning. His mm-hmm. name was Dr. James Price. And, uh, so I wanted to just see, well, I ended up doing, you know, this enormous family tree and finding all these connections. I found, San Jacinto veterans, that, which is a big thing in Texas, that I didn't know were in my family. I found Texas Rangers I didn't know were in my family. I found Revolutionary War people I didn't know were in my family. I mean, just all of that stuff done from a laptop. And so, and you can find, you know, within these sites, you'll find actual documents. You know, they image actual documents. So you can save the census records and save the birth certificates and save uh, these real original documents. And uh, that just let you build a file that back 20 years ago would have taken you a year to do. I know. I I remember ants like flying out somewhere to Utah or something like that and going to these giant libraries for a week, you know, like they take their vacation to go there and piece things together. And now you can go online, pay a little money and with a few clicks, start seeing it all unfold. And you can go to the the source documents. So you know that it's accurate. And the other thing that that's very interesting and is the newspapers that are online. And that's a great source of information. Uh, the further back you get, the, the better it is, because sometimes it's the only record of what was going on at the time. And that's how I discovered a little tidbit about Dr. Price's. I saw an ad in the newspaper that he was practicing medicine many years after I thought he had moved. So, mm. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, stuff like that. And it's, you mentioned treasure hunt earlier, and I use the term detective work, but that's really what it is. And that's what lawyers are trained to do. And so it's, it's fun for me. It, it, and you, and I love that when you can find some surprises you don't know, like even uh, not too long ago, we were researching some things about my dad and we found these really cool articles that were written in the paper about his success in business that we never even knew existed, you know? And, and there's a, there's a sort of a strange comfort for me connecting with the past and mm-hmm. connecting with your family. I mean, it's almost like it, it's not quite as good as going back and meeting them, but it's almost because you can say, 
you know, I can say, uh, here I stand in Houston, Texas, uh, doing my thing and I'm standing right where, you know, generations of my family have stood. And, um, to me, I don't know, it sounds a little esoteric, but to me, that's important. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Yeah, it definitely gives you a sense of belonging, a sense of being part of something bigger, you know? Yeah, and it makes you realize that it's not all about us. There's a lot of people that have come before. There's a lot of people that are going to come afterwards. And um, it inspires me to preserve a lot of what they stood for. You know, one of the uh, many other reasons I was doing this podcast is Texas. I'm, I am a, a public servant in Texas, so serving the state is very important to me and preserving its values. And in, in my area, I'm a judge, so it's law for me. But um, you know, preserving the society. This state was was built into a great state, and uh, I have an excessive dose of Texas pride, which I know annoys the rest of the country often. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, I'm really proud of uh, to be a Texan. I'm proud of what our state does, and I want that to continue. And the only way it will is if you remember what made it that way, and uh, you don't. It it's. The more prosperous we become, the, the lazier we become, and the more we think it's just going to happen to us. But uh, it's not. you got to keep it going. And so you need to understand how we got here. Well, and that's the thing. You don't want to lose those, lose those stories or lose the history. And so I kind of like, again, what you're doing with the podcast because you're sharing it in a new way. You know, probably the stories that you know exist somewhere in a variety of different written materials. But you're taking it and sharing it in a way that today's world can consume more easily and share. Well, that, yeah, that's right. That was yet another reason to do it is, um, you know, nobody was really doing it the way I thought it should be done or could be done. And so um, it's it's been pretty well received. I don't have a lot of time to market it, but um, it's a lot bigger than I ever thought it would be. And I'm always looking for opportunities to to talk about it and, and put it out there. Cause I, other than those elementary school classes, you know, the, the more internet we have, the less we're reading and the harder it is to study these subjects. And, mm -hmm. and history really doesn't have to be dry and boring. Um, it can be exciting. And so hopefully it is. <laughs> well, and it is, and the way that you do it, it is, I mean, for me, the, you know, self-proclaimed doesn't like history class woman. Um, I enjoyed it. And, I really think it's because you're giving the backstory. And that's what I, I think the general history studies often don't give you is the backstory. And that's the part that's the fun. That's the part that inspires people and gives you the grit. Yeah, and I, I really focus on that. One of, the, one of my favorite examples is, you know, the story of the Battle of the Alamo in Texas is one that's known worldwide. And I can tell you that, you know, 4,000 Mexican soldiers defeated 100 and some odd uh, Texians in this old dilapidated mission in San Antonio and Davy Crockett was there and uh, all of that. Uh, you know that story. Mm -hmm. But the story, I one of the stories I told uh, about a period of time a little bit earlier than, than the actual battle at Alamo, but there was still fighting in San Antonio, was that the, the Texans had a little cannon pointed at the Alamo while the Mexican cavalry was still in there and they were gambling on firing that cannon whether they could hit certain windows in the Alamo. That's not a story that you're going to read <laughs> a lot of different places, but I found a firsthand account from somebody that talked about that 
event. And mm. uh, I thought, that's hilarious. That's exactly what Texans would do. You know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I could see myself, you know, and all my buddies in there betting on shooting a cannon at the Mexican cavalry. So, you know, those little stories uh, bring a little color to the event. Well, and when you go back in history, and, and hopefully this is what will happen you know, 100 years or 500 years from now, that people will look back at us and say, whoa, they had like conviction, you know. But what I know for me, when I look back at my ancestors or or even the people that like traveled across the country in in, um, wagons, covered wagons across completely un, you know, no roads. <laughs> right. When I go off road on my bike for two minutes, I'm like, how the heck do you know, what am I going to do here? <laughs> and they're like traveling across the entire country and the amount of like conviction and, um, drive and, and, oh, inner, I don't know, grit. That's the word I keep going back to seems to make sense for that era that took them to do that. It took to do that is, is something we want to carry forward. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, people talk about the good old days and and we joke about it, but I'm telling you, I mean, our lives have never been easier than they are right now. Uh, But the price of that is that you do lose some of that determination. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I see it all around us. Um, But yeah, to come settle uh, an absolutely untamed land. I mean, the earliest settlers to Texas, they were not coming to Texas. They were moving to Mexico and they had to and they were moving to an area where the only inhabitants were trying to kill them at all times. And so they had to come here, learn a foreign language, uh, convert to Catholicism, uh, and pay taxes to a foreign government. And by the way, if you left your house, your life was at risk. And so <laughs> that takes a certain kind of person <laughs> to exactly. come over and do that. And, right. and not just men, the women. I think the Texas women were the toughest individuals at, of the time, because when the revolution started, man, all those men left the farms, and uh, those those women were the ones running the show. And and uh, I tell some of those stories in the podcast, and it's just an incredible mix of very tough people. And they weren't all, you know, super noble, honorable. There were some scoundrels back then too, including some of the government officials. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were all very tough, and they were certainly determined. And and. Uh, that's why those stories are so colorful, I think. So besides the um, ancestor application or site that we aren't mentioning specifically, <laughs> um, what are some of your other techniques? You said you go out to the sites to collect the story details. Do you do you ever talk to people who might have some like connections back to like some, you know, direct connections to some of the people you're talking about or? Oh yeah, all the time. In fact, uh, a friend of mine's here in Houston's parents just bought a a big house south of Houston that used to belong to a governor of Texas. And he was also one of the founders of, of a little company called Humble Oil, which is now known as Exxon Mobil. And, uh, you know, they have a bunch of papers that are part of the house that family papers, uh, from the governor. And I'm, scheduling a time to go down there and review those. And I may incorporate a little video into that episode and try to tell the story uh, that way. I've had a lot of feedback from people that say, well, my ancestor so-and-so did this and that. And I've I've incorporated that stuff into episodes. Um, So, yeah, I do. I do. 
end up talking to a lot of people with direct connections. And, and some of my favorite emails to get after an episode are, oh, yeah, you know, my my ancestor was there at the ter- the staged train crash or whatever little event I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just a lot of fun. And to hear listeners who say, well, you really brought back a lot of memories or something like that. That's really why I'm doing it. Right, or even better, you inspired me to go find something else out. Um or to go look in that box in the attic that I hadn't looked in in a while. Oh so my that's gosh! Of, it really is a lot of a lot of fun. I, and I love, and I also love that you're um, creating a legacy for your children and all of the Texans. You know, so they would have those stories in a in a certain format that they can listen to for generations to come. Yeah, I hope that's right. As long as I pay my hosting bill, I guess they'll be out there. <laughs> so. Is there any way that you think you could encourage historians in the other the other forty nine states to do something similar? Well, I hope uh, maybe this podcast will do that. Um, you know, there's some fascinating stories of of various states and how they came to be. You know, mm-hmm. California and Texas share a little bit of a similar history in the sense that we were part of Mexico and, and I have some dear friends out there and, and you would think, you know, when you talk about modern California and modern Texas, you think you're talking about two different worlds, but actually the culture out there is very similar in many respects with the agriculture and the horses and all that kind of stuff. And, and the Spanish culture that infuses our day-to-day life, Florida is a little bit the same way. Um, you know, the people that settled Texas early were from Tennessee and Kentucky and, um, so I feel very at home there, and and uh, it's. I, I wish there were some sort of more formal way for avocational or amateur state historians to come together. Uh, maybe I can. I think that's what we're doing right now. We're going to figure yeah, that out. We're going to we're going to solve that one. I think that's, that's what I need is another project, right? <laughs> right. All you have to do is show them your template. You know, you've created the the method, and then just get them up and going. So. That would be such a cool thing to have. And then there could be a site where everybody could go get any of the 50 States podcasts, you know, and pull up what they like. Um, And it makes me think too of, again, you know, we spend a lot of time um, in transport, transportation, you know, on trains or buses or in cars. And what a great way to share our, our culture with our children and get them to know each of the States in a new way, you know, here's some new stories. So, well, I hope so. Yeah, I think we've got a side project going on here, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into that afterwards. So aside from history and Texas and being a judge and most currently the Super Bowl, um, what other things are, well, is there something else that's sort of calling your attention, like a interest or a passion that, that kind of catches your eye? Well, um, I'm one of those people that... I learned early on experiences were better than things. And so I've, there are lots of things that I've been into. I'm an avid golfer and shotgun shooter and hunter. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of that play a little music every now and then. I mean, there's lots of stuff that keeps my attention. One of, in my service as a judge, there's lots of sort of extrajudicial things that, that I'm involved in. Our legislature meets every other year. And it's meeting right now, and so I spend a lot of time in the state capitol dealing with policy issues that affect the judiciary and the law. And uh, so that's to me is very interesting. And um, uh, you know, 
with a 10 year old and an 11 year old, uh, a lot of it is about them and <laughs> running mm-hmm. them around. So, uh, which is great. I love being a dad. So that's right. a lot of fun. And they're getting old enough where I can kind of introduce them to the things I like and figure out what they like. And, uh, so it's fun when that starts to shake out, isn't it? When you start to see yeah. their, their, you know, what's really them start surfacing. Yeah. And it's, um, one, <laughs> the other day I forgot what we were talking about, but my, my 11 year old fifth grade daughter pipes up with the name of a very obscure battle that she would have no reason to remember. And she <laughs> remembered us talking about it. So I'm like, Oh man, I'm creating a monster. Here. <laughs> That's <laughs> impressive. That's, it also reminds but us as parents what they soak up. We need to be careful. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and me in particular, I need to be reminded of that every now and then. But, uh, it's, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to play as much golf as I can. I used to be involved in some auto racing, and it's just all over the map. You'd be shocked at all the stuff that I've been into from time to time. And, you know, that's one more reason to do a podcast. It was a chance to learn to do something new and mm-hmm. learn a little bit more about social media, which directly affects you know, my day job because we're elected officials. So you got to know about all that stuff, and that's been interesting. And um, you know, the chance to learn a new skill and kind of be involved in it as a podcaster is a lot of fun. Yeah. I was surprised about how much fun it was every step. You know what I mean? I mean, I have a tech background, so I, I had some of that coming into it, but literally every part of the process is, is fun, you know, just learning it, like how to build a show, how to, how to record your audio, how to, um, book guests, how all the all the little pieces behind the scenes have been really fun to learn. Now, of course, I just keep saying I need somebody, I need to hire somebody because <laughs> I have such a backlog of um, recordings to do and recordings to produce that um, that we're getting to that point already, which is a good thing, right? That's that people, a good problem. Yeah, exactly. So, if I were to come to Texas and visit, where would you suggest would be one of the um, the places I must see? Like, what is it? You know, you know the t- the state from end to end. And let's say I just wanted to come enjoy some of the beauty, beauty of Texas uh, nature. Like, where would you suggest somebody go then? Wow. Um, Three out there, I would, right? <laughs> no, I, w- I would say uh, the great thing about Texas is that you can get whatever you like. If you want to go to the beach, I've got two spots for you. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to the mountains, we've got 8,500 foot mountains and we've got coastline. So there's a little something for everybody. If you had to make one trip and time was not an issue, you know, I would go to Galveston Island. I would go to South Padre Island. I would then go to Austin where you said you had been uh, in kind of the hill country area of Texas. And then I would go out to the what we call the Big Bend region. Uh, the towns are Alpine and Marfa and Marathon and go see the mountains. Um and then you could go north to to the northwest part of the state in the Panhandle and see uh, some beautiful prairie land. Um, and a can- there's a great canyon up there, Paladura Canyon, that's just very dramatic and colorful. And hmm. uh, you can get a little bit of everything. And on your way back, you know, go through East Texas and you're in dense pine forest. Um, so it does, whatever kind of nature you prefer, you'll see it here. And uh, But I think it's really dramatic to kind of start in the east or the southeast where you're around the coast and the piney woods and then end up uh, near some 
8,500 foot mountains in the far west, and you're on the northern end of a desert. So it's it's like you've gone to a different country. I had, I really had no idea that there were mountains in Texas. Absolutely. Did not know that. So there's my fact <laughs> of the day. There's your fact of the day. That's yeah, because right. I've been to the cities, you know, Dallas and Austin and um, San Antonio and Houston, but I haven't been um, really out in the land, you know. Well, it's it's really um, the hill country of Texas is has got some elevation. It's not real tall, but it is just gorgeous. Limestone counties, counties, excuse me, limestone canyons and mm-hmm. rivers flowing, clear water rivers flowing through it. That's an extremely popular area of the state because uh, it's so beautiful. But yeah, if you go out to the Big Bend region, you're going to see very tall mountains. You're going to be in a desert climate, um, very rich climate, very beautiful. Um, mm also some of the hardest country I've ever been in. I mean, there's a reason it wasn't settled until <laughs> late. It is a tough place to operate, but uh, but it is gorgeous. You know, Wisconsin has its beauty for sure. You know, we have a lot of lakes. It's just lush and beautiful in the summertime. And if for people who like winter, it's quite lovely in the wintertime. Um, <laughs> but when I even when I went out to California and in Texas, I noticed the same thing. It's like so rugged. It is rugged land to live on. Very People who live out there are hardy. You know, you cannot be anything less. Very much. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. What else do we want to talk about? Is there anything you want to talk about um, that you're working on? Oh, I know. I did have a question. Um, the music of Texas. Do you ever do any, have you done an episode about the history of the music of Texas? Because it's unique. We, at least the rest of us think think it is because we think of the two-step and country music and things like that when we think of Texas? Well, one of the things, no, the answer is no, I haven't, and I'll tell you why, because I can't really decide how to properly do it justice. Hmm. I, I, am, uh, I have a couple of little sub-series within my podcast. One's called Texans You Should Know, where I do a, just a straight-up biography of somebody as a podcast episode. And uh, the other is Texas Towns, where I'll talk about a town. Uh, so far, they've been towns that don't no longer exist, and uh, some of the events, important events that were around those towns. Um, I struggle as a podcaster with how to do justice to broad topics because I don't want to do a podcast and call it Texas music Mm because I could probably off the cuff, right? Music was one of the earliest things I did in my life and it's still a big part of my life. And, you know, I could talk for hours about Texas music. So I, I, you know, I want to do it justice. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also want to use some of my contacts, um, you know, to interview some of the actual people, which reminds me, I probably need to to start doing some of that. I want to <laughs> talk to some of the actual musicians that did it because, um, you know, it's such a um, mark of the state. You know, Texas musicians have made their mark uh, all over the world. Right. And it, it's one of the great examples or one of the great ways to see how diverse Texas is culturally because mm-hmm. we've got great blues musicians. You know, this is actually the anniversary of the death of Lightning Hopkins, who was one of the greatest blues men ever. And he was from Texas, from Centerville. And, um, you know, we had Bob Wills that really changed the face of country music. We had, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, who I would argue is probably the greatest guitarist ever. I mean, we just had all this stuff, um, that to talk about. And so I haven't done a Texas music episode cause I can't figure out how. So if any of the listeners want to tell, 
the best way to approach that. Uh, I think what will end up happening is I'll talk about genres and I'll talk about the people and, mm-hmm. and I'll probably get a hundred episodes out of it. I hope I do. Right. I can see. I mean, it, it's a huge thing and people don't, people don't think about it as much. That's not your first thought when you think of Texas, but it is such a big part of our music culture in the, in the United States and the world. What's come out yeah. of there. Right. It, it really is. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons is that Texas has always been really good at taking people from diverse backgrounds and putting them together toward a common goal, which is the whole idea of diversity. You know, in our modern pop culture, when people use the word diversity, usually what they're really saying is division. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Texas is a great example of taking all these different cultures. And it was by necessity because they were all trying to live together and uh, they had common enemies in, in uh, rampaging Indians and starvation. So they had to, they really had to pull together if they were going to actually survive. And, and now we have just all this cross-cultural stuff uh, that we as Texans take for granted. And music is one of those expressions. When, you know, one of the expression, great expressions of culture is music. The other is food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on both of those fronts, Texas is just a crazy mix of different kinds of things. And uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, but when you start to deconstruct it, it really is amazing where all this stuff comes from. Yeah, that would be fun to that would be fun to unpack. Really, the whole music piece, especially. And I, I would vote for the food ones too. I could help. I could help you on some like yeah, we got you know, road trip that. stuff there and <laughs> some of that. Oh, now my mouth is watering because right away I went to tacos, my favorite thing. Okay, oh, yeah. so um, I'd love you to tell where people tell people where they can find you and listen to your show. Well, the podcast is called Wise About Texas, and it's on all the major podcast podcast platforms, of course, iTunes and, and Google Play and Stitcher and TuneIn and all of that. Um, we have I have a website. It's www.wiseabouttexas.com, and that's the handle on Facebook and Twitter at Wise About Texas and Instagram. And um, so just search Wise About Texas, and hopefully it's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> All over the place. It's all over the place. And it is so good. I really encourage people to take a listen, even if you aren't super familiar with Texas. It uh, It's well done. It's well done. And it's well, interesting. And it's totally interesting. So thank you very much. Yeah. So thank you for being here today, Ken. It was really fun, our roundabout way of meeting up with each other. And, uh, you know, when it's time for me to hit the Texas area again, I'll be definitely in touch. Yep, come down and see us, Jane, and thanks for having me on the show, and we'll see you at the next podcast conference. Okay, sounds good. Take care. Well, that was really fun. I loved how we kind of came up with some ideas, like this whole podcast history for all of the states. And, oh, I think we're going to see some real podcast action on the Texas music, music scene, too. So if anyone's ever looking for ideas... There's two handed to you on a silver platter. So the thing, um, besides just really enjoying Ken's story and his storytelling style, what I took away from it was one of the things he said early on was you can't understand where you where you are unless you understand where you came from. And it sort of gives me this new, um, I guess, motivation to really help my kids understand the history of our state and of our country and of the world we live in, to really make that part of the things that we learn and explore when we're out doing our um, let's see where we can travel next gig that we do. I hope you found the same. You know, I think when we think back about that, 
and the people that work so hard to create the world that we're living in today, you know, they that was a lot of work. And 100 years from now and 500 years from now, I really hope that, that those generations look back and see what we did to try to build the, worth, the world that they're part of now. History is an important thing, and I'm really glad he's sharing it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>